Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, the 20th of February, 2023. It's Iconic CEO, Jamie Icke, and this is The Daily Download. Well, happy Monday, everybody. I hope you all had a lovely weekend and uh, got some well-earned rest. We've got some stories to go through here to start the week. I've spoken about this a couple of times so far, the story surrounding the missing woman here in the UK, Nicola Bully. Well, it appears to have reached a conclusion last night as the police say that they found a body of a blonde woman uh, about a mile downstream in the river from where she uh, went missing or supposedly went missing. Now, as I've said, and as many people have said, this story made no sense from start to finish. It still doesn't now. There's been so many anomalies, so many very strange things happening in terms of the police coverage, in terms of things that they've released, in terms of things they haven't released, in terms of the fact they basically decided from day dot that she was in the river and there was no other explanation. They put all time and resources into that. Last week, that culminated with them releasing quite a lot of personal information about her, suggesting that she was an alcoholic and that she had issues with the menopause and that she was a high-risk missing person. All these things that were done, but three weeks late, which was very strange, to the point that um, even you know Home Secretary Suella Braverman here in the UK called on Lancashire Police to have to explain themselves as to why they felt it necessary to release that information and how that was going to help find her. But anyway, three weeks on, they found a body of a blonde woman. They've not formally identified it as her yet. Apparently her family have been notified. The body was found one mile down the river from where she uh, was last seen. Now, I, had, I do have questions around this, obviously, because this river was searched by professional teams for miles in either direction, uh, we're told, of where she went missing. So this area should have been searched already by both police divers and the uh, team brought in by the family. Nothing was found. And now, again, it's not even the police that have found her. It's supposedly uh, dog walkers walking by saw the body in, in reeds. So it is a very strange situation. This this doesn't make sense from start to finish. There has been some, you know, really outlandish theories and, and so on on the case. Um, I'm not dismissing. I'm not confirming any of them. I think there's a lot of questions to ask. And if you haven't looked into it, I would, because there's clearly a reason this case has been put to the forefront of, of the media, forefront of our minds, you know, that people go missing every single day right across the world. Lots of people have gone missing since she went missing three weeks ago. Uh, they don't get this kind of media coverage. They don't get this kind of police attention. So the fact that this has suggests there is something about this that we need to pay attention to. There is something a little bit more behind the surface that we need to pay attention to. Um, so I would suggest that in the coming days, as, as more of this breaks, uh, we look at this, we ask our own questions, we we keep an open mind, you know, be respectful, of course. You know, there has been people that very much haven't been respectful, um, but definitely question definitely question I think there's more to this than meets the eye I'm not making any assumptions I'm not making any conclusions on that I'm just telling you I think there's more to this than meets the eye and I would suggest an open mind and more research is required now on to another story which we've covered quite extensively on this podcast and it gets even more pathetic by the day it seems the headline today from the Daily Express here in the UK is Putin to point missiles at London and Berlin if he's victorious in Ukraine. Firstly, there's no evidence for that whatsoever. Vladimir Putin and Russia have had nuclear missiles since the 50s, and as far as I'm aware, they haven't pointed any or fired any at a single country around the world. 
Compare that to the United States, who are the only country in the world to ever use a nuclear weapon when they dropped two on Japan at the end of the Second World War, causing hideous destruction and mass loss of life. Civilian life, that is. Yet, the West, NATO, led by the US, go around acting like the world's police, telling people, firstly, saying who can have nuclear weapons, which the answer to that question should be nobody. Nobody in the world should have a weapon that can destroy the planet and can cause such catastrophe. But the point is, the fact that the only country in the world to use one now acts like the world's police on them, talking about irresponsible behavior and you know rogue regimes having them when you're the rogue regime guys in the states you're the only one to use them you're the one that's at war and has been at war for pretty much every year of your history you're the one i was actually in america on labor day a few years ago 2016 when barack obama the president at the time bombed seven countries in one day on labor day extraordinary Extraordinary that this country, and didn't he win a Nobel Peace Prize, I believe, it's extraordinary um, how inverted the world is. But the point is, this is just more fear-mongering, this is just more attempts to get into the mind of people that, you know, we are on the brink of nuclear war, be scared, be afraid. When, yes, you know, there is a lot to look at and go, we're going down a very dark path, but what needs to happen here is a sensible conversation. I've said it countless times. You can't keep just giving money to somebody with no preconditions on the basis that they're going to win a war which they're not going to win. The money being given to Ukraine should be given, or shouldn't be given, in my opinion. It's one of the most corrupt regimes in the world. But if you are going to give it, then you give it on this stipulation. You're not having a penny until you sit down and negotiate a peace deal. And then you can have the money afterwards to rebuild the country. That would change everything. That would change the dynamic. It would stop Zelensky's crazy rhetoric of we're going we're gonna to fight Russia, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, when they're not. They're not. Russia's got one of the biggest militaries in the world. It's got a very powerful ally in China as well, along with it. Another very powerful ally in Iran. If push came to shove, I'm sure North Korea would be a powerful ally with them as well. And it's a force that, you know, you're not going to want to reckon with uh, unless you're trying to cause a global conflict, which is clearly what they're trying to do. NATO against those four countries I just mentioned, possibly with another couple thrown in there, like Belarus. But... It's clear that they're just trying to scare people. They're just trying to scare you constantly to, to continue with that feeling of making you uneasy, making you feel that the world is not going in a direction that's going to be good. And they're right, in a sense, it's not. But it's not because of them. It's not going in the right direction. It's not going in a direction that's beneficial to humanity because of them, not because of you, and not because of Vladimir Putin, because of the fact that this, this war, this conflict has been long long planned and he's just playing out his role within it but the idea that you know if russia get what they want in ukraine they're going to come and nuke berlin london paris amsterdam all of that is just complete farce complete farce um they've not nuked ukraine so why would they why would you think they would go that step further to, to western countries and create literally a global conflict where the us would get involved and all other NATO countries would get involved because of the NATO pact that one under attack, all under attack. It's just, it's clear that this is just more and more attempts of fear-mongering. And we need to just basically ignore it and continue to put public pressure on the government to stop this crazy support for Zelensky and this war without any stipulations on peace. <clears throat> now another story, final story today. This is a little bit closer to, to home. Um, I'm sure many of you will have heard of the 15-minute cities or low traffic zones, as they're calling them. 
Um, these are clearly just more attempts to put draconian measures onto people's lives, limit their freedom of movement, limit their ability to make free choices and freedom of travel. The, there's a hundred cities, hundred towns in the UK this scheme is being rolled out in, but one of the most prominent is Oxford, the medieval city of Oxford, which is really pretty much in the centre of the UK. I think they've chosen this city because it's recognisable right across the world, it's famous for its universities and its educational institutions, and it's a city that's got a very multicultural um, demographic there. People come from all over the world to study at Oxford University, as it's an Ivy League university in a similar way that Harvard and so on are. So I would suggest that this has been done completely deliberately. Basically, what a 15-minute city does is it limits your freedom of movement to within 15 minutes of your address. You get a certain amount of credits per year to travel without, out, without, you know, outside of your zone, if you like. And then once you've used them, you would get taxed more. You would be forced to charge more. You'd be for, forced to pay more. They're putting roadblock, roadblocks on the end of... I've seen them. They're there. Uh, they're putting roadblocks on the end of streets, which is basically leading to more emissions, not less, which is the claim that this, this is going to help climate change, what it's all about. Effectively, it's a lockdown in name. Well, what it's actually leading to is stories where people are going to have to pick up their kids from school and rather than go five minutes down the road, they're having to drive 10, 15 miles around the ring road because they can't get directly through because of these road blockages. It's extraordinary. 90% of people in the local area rejected this. The council then came out and said it's happening anyway. In a sense, at least they're finally admitting that they're not in a democracy because if 90% of the people that you represent as councillors say they don't want something and you turn around and say it's happening anyway, you're a dictator. You're not a democratically elected official that's there to represent the people. You are a dictator at that point. And in a sense, it's good they've shown and highlighted themselves to be that. Maybe more people will look up and start to go, actually, the illusion of a democracy is really gone now, isn't it? Because they're literally not even pretending they're not even paying lip service to us. They're just saying, we don't care what you think. We're doing what we want anyway. Now, the reason I bring this up, I went to a protest this Saturday, just gone. Myself and Lewis Brackpool from Iconic went down to a protest in the city. Um, some really good speakers. I reckon there was probably about three or 4,000 people there. It was it was very uh, amazing atmosphere and you know, really good to see people of all ages and all demographics that were there to to really push back against this. Because, you know, I don't live in Oxford, 90% of the people that were at the protest don't live in Oxford, but it's one of those things, you've got to draw a line in the sand, because if it starts there, and it's a precedent set, it's going to come to a town near you soon. Um, and it's very important that we cut the legs out from these things before they get started, before they build any momentum, and before precedents are set. Otherwise, it's too late. By the time it gets to a town near you, it might already be in 100 towns across the UK, and there's no one there to fight for you. So we have to stand up and fight for everyone. We have to stand up and fight at the first point of resistance. And we have to let these people know that they're going to have a fight wherever they go with this ideology. Because it's absolutely insane. Now what I wanted to cover here. Uh, many of you will, will know what 15 Minute Cities are. And you know, I, I encourage you to go and look up yourself uh, for more information. But what I wanted to discuss here is what I saw at this protest. Because what I saw, there was an Antifa presence. Not a massive one. Probably about 50 people. You know, their standard Antifa garb covered in masks and balaclavas, you know, because they're such hard people, they're, they're very happy to show their face. Just completely embarrassing. And there was clear attempts to instigate some kind of violence within the protest. You know, they infiltrated the actual march. They were waiting at certain areas of the city where the march was going to go around. And there was a few, you know, a few punch-ups. I did see that. I actually got some on camera. There'll be a video uh, in my show tomorrow. Um 
sorry, that'll be out Wednesday night. You'll get to see uh, myself and Lewis will do a piece on that as well. We saw that firsthand, how these people were antagonizing protesters and trying to start violence and trying to make it turn ugly. And it was clear that they've done that because they, you know, who funds these people? Firstly, it's clearly, you know, been done to try and skew people's view of this protest that it was a violent one. No, it wasn't at all. It was a peaceful protest full of a number of people from various different backgrounds, from kids to adults to black, white, left, right, people that live there, people that don't, just people that think this is a terrible idea and are willing to stand up and resist it. That's all that combined, all that united these people. And that's all that needs to unite us. We don't need to agree on everything. We just need to agree that the direction that the government are trying to take the world isn't the one that we want to live in. That's all we need to agree on at this point. We can argue about everything else later. But the idea that they've, you know, associated fascists or anti-fascists, not that they are Antifa, Antifa are clear fascists, with this protest skews the movement. And I saw a few blue ticks journalists, some idiots on Twitter, the likes of Otto English and so on, tweeting that this is a dangerous movement and this is how dangerous movements start. Now, I just think it's absolutely pathetic. That guy wasn't there. He doesn't have a clue what's gone on. He probably doesn't even know what 15-minute cities are. It's all a conspiracy theory and all of that rubbish, which we're used to hearing, aren't we, guys? And we, we just laugh at it because conspiracy theories just seem to keep coming true. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I want to highlight something which I think is really important. It can get really disheartening when you know you're on the right side, you know you're standing up for freedom, you know you're doing stuff for the highest levels of integrity, you're doing it because you only want the best for the world. And all you get back is hate, all you get back is abuse. You know, I was at the protest with uh, Fiona Hine and Louise Crefield, two people who've been really prominent in organising protests through COVID and this one. And, you know, they've had, they get nothing but abuse from a lot of people. Fiona in particular gets so much abuse from people calling a controlled opposition, a police officer, a wronger, an X, Y and Z. When I think these people are jealous I think these people are jealous of what, what people like her and Louise have done in terms of how much they've united people, what they've organised and how they've brought people together uh, and the two of them should be very proud of themselves for what they've done on that. And I want to end today on this, a couple of inspirations which can be applied to that. So I'm listening to an audiobook at the moment by former US um, SEAL David Goggins. Now if you haven't heard of him, I urge you to look him up, an absolutely incredible story and a really really inspirational guy his book's called never finished and the ideology of it is that you're never finished you're never you should never stop improving you should always try and better yourself and i listened to a piece yesterday and this line really struck me and he was talking about his haters and his detractors and he said just remember this no hater is doing any better than you and most of them are there because they're jealous of you and they actually admire you and the fact they're hating on you is a reflection on them, not on you. I think that's a really, really important thing for us to remember when we're pushing out this information, when we're pushing back against tyranny and we get abuse back. The people that are doing it, we saw it through COVID, the people that were shouting at you through their masks after their 25 vaccines, they were, they were scared. They were jealous. They admired your relentlessness. They admired your courage. And the fact they were hating on you was because they were embarrassed of that lack of courage and fight within themselves it's a reflection on them not a reflection on you always remember that and to continue with that we'll finish today's morning show on uh, with another quote from david goggins himself and i wholeheartedly agree with this one the most important conversation you will ever have is the conversation you have with yourself 
and I can personally find that incredibly relatable. I'm sure many of you can as well. The day that you have that conversation with yourself and you go, you know what? I'm the one in charge. I'll decide what I believe. I'll decide what I'm going to achieve. Everything is possible. Everything's on the table. Stop making excuses. That's the day your life changes. And if more people did that, the world would change collectively pretty, pretty damn quickly. So that's it for this morning's show. I hope you've uh, got some information from there that's been of merit to you and you have a great start to your week and I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Bye for now.